All right, welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets today. I have a special guest with me today, Matt Atkinson. Um, you've probably seen him online or seen his podcast, Millionaire Mindcast. Um, incredible guy. We're going to hear from him today and his experience in the real estate sector. So Matt, a lot of people here on the show are interested in real estate, want to get started in real estate funds specifically. And so today we're going to we're going to pull back the curtain. We're going to dig oh, deep yeah. and get into it. Um, and I've, I've loved your podcast. I've listened to quite a, quite a few of them. Um, done awesome. This podcast is a, I think for total podcast, top 50 total podcasts and number 11 in the entrepreneurship space, which is just impressive. And so we're going to hear that story of how you started that. Anyways, I'm, I'm really excited. So Matt, welcome to the show. Oh, brother. I am stoked to be on the show. And it's always cool how, uh, you know, social media makes the world always feel a little bit smaller. And uh, you and I were able to connect, you know, via Instagram. You meet a lot of weird people and a lot of angry and a lot of mean people on, uh, on you know, social media. But you also meet a lot of great people as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we were able to connect. Yeah, I know. And, and, and Matt, actually, you reached out to me, which I loved. And I'm happy we'd be able to connect and, and grow a little bit here. So tell me, first off, how did you get started? We want to get back to the basics. How did you get started in real estate? How did the podcast get started? Let's hear your story. I got started. So, you know, I had somewhat of a turbulent start in, um, in my, I guess, entrepreneurial journey where I actually, uh, I got expelled from high school. I got arrested in college and that was what I call kind of my, oh shit moment. I think everybody has those moments <laughs> where you're like, man, this is, this is not the path that I want to be on. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had always, I don't want to say talked a big game, but I'd always dreamed of having a lot of success and living a big life and, you know, doing, uh, big things like everybody else usually hopes and desires and dreams for themselves. Right. And I, uh, was, you know, talking, my audio was not necessarily aligned with my video and how I was actually living my life and the actions that I was taking. And I ended up, um, finding myself in a, you know, a pretty tough spot where it was, you're either going to go this way or that way. And your life is going to look completely different. And I remember just when I kind of was in jail and I looked around to my left and I looked around to my right and I saw who my, you know, in the air quotes tribe was and I saw what my environment was and I saw what my opportunities and my future was. It scared the living shit out of me to be completely honest. And so for me, um, I remember praying to God and just saying, you know, if you give me a second chance, a second, second chance, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something with it. I will not waste it. And um, I chose to focus on the windshield and the vision and everything that was in front of me instead of the rear view mirror and to not let my past define, you know, my future. And I, I made some clear and distinct choices to, you know, edit and revise my peer group and to edit and revise my um, environment and to edit and revise, um, you know, the things that I was putting into my body and who I was surrounding myself with and what I was reading and um, that kind of led me down this, you know, self-discovery journey and long story short, I ended up meeting a small business entrepreneur. I interviewed at like 15 places, um, after I got out of jail and no place wanted to hire me except one guy. He was a small business entrepreneur and he had a investment brokerage in uh, downtown Santa Barbara. He took a shot on me. I started as a cold caller, just pounding the phones 30, 40 hours a week while I was going to school full time. And how old and, are you right now? I was 19 years old at that time. Wow. So, out, yeah. Wow. Okay. I was 19 years old at that time. So, you know, um, still dumb and ignorant, but at the same time, dangerous enough to get myself, you know, into some opportunities and some situations uh, that were starting to get more aligned with the path that I wanted to be on. And I worked my way up to being his right hand guy. And he was really the guy who taught me 
uh, and exposed me to what real entrepreneurship was. And, you know, he had shown me, hey, this is what it's like to be your own boss. This is what it's like to have no, you know, ceiling over what you can make financially, unlimited earning potential. This is what it's like to have a product, a business, a service that allows you to add value to people in an exchange, you know, create opportunity financially and lifestyle-wise for yourself, for your family, for your employees, for your community. And so um, I, he wanted me to take over kind of his business and be one of his successors. And um, I said, I don't, I don't want to do that. And so I was still kind of exploring what life looked like. You turned him down? I turned him down, man. Oh, why? Uh, you know, I was really feeling drawn to come back to, I've always believed, you know, seasons, friendships, mentors, um, they are, you know, chapters in life and some are longer than others. And I felt like I'd, you know, written what I need to write in that chapter of my life. And so I ended up uh, moving back to Sacramento, which is where I'm from. So I went back from Southern California to Northern California. And I remember I had this expensive ass piece of paper and I was interviewing at all these jobs for like thirty to $40,000 a year. And I was like, man, this is not going to get me to the goals that I have for myself. And so I randomly came across a Craigslist ad, those come be a mentor for, you know, this real estate or mentee for this real estate investor and I'll mentor you and da, 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 da. Now, obviously looking back, I know what all those things meant. Um, but I ended up going and working for somebody for about 10 months for free and they were flipping houses, uh, about 60, 70 houses a year. I was essentially doing everything. They were just funding the deals they were making fifty to sixty thousand dollars a pop, and this was back in two thousand ten, eleven, and twelve, when you could pretty much sneeze and come across a profitable real estate investment flip. And um, and I was doing all the work, and I was making nothing. Um, I now look back, say that was the best education I ever got, and that's made me multiple seven figures uh, by working for that individual for free. Um, but that just got me into the world of real estate investing and seeing how that vehicle can be leveraged to unlock freedom, to be my own boss, to make an impact in my community, to help people that are going through tough and challenging situations and help them solve their problems and achieve goals. And, um, that led me to starting up. I, I read snowball and I was like, Ooh, I want to be like Warren Buffett. I want to have my tree trunk of real estate and all these ancillary businesses built around it. So I started a real estate team with a business partner and uh, we quickly became Wall Street Journal top 1000 real estate teams in the country, had you know a ton of agents working for us. I was flipping houses at the same time. I got lucky and was like, hey, if I'm flipping all these houses and making this cash, I should probably be buying rental properties and passive income streams along the way. So I got the timing right a little bit where I was riding the market up to where obviously it's at today, building my real estate portfolio, which started with single families and duplexes and triplexes and quadplexes. And I just bought a hotel up in Lake Tahoe. I'm working on a vineyard development in Napa Valley. Um, so I've been kind of slowly going, man, okay, single family is great, but they want to get into more density, bigger doors, bigger projects. And that's kind of been my progression of just trying to think bigger, expand bigger, um, be around people that are way smarter, faster, stronger than me, and just continue to absorb and stay a student um, and put together world-class teams with very clear visions and holding each other accountable to executing on those things. And that's really where I find myself, you know, in a partner in a construction company, uh, real estate investing, in-house property management, at least for my own portfolio, which is nothing, um, you know, the staff for that is about two, three people. So nothing major, 
Um, and then uh, I exited my real estate team a couple years ago and I just refer all at all my retail business and just kind of collect passive income referral checks and uh, been focusing on now that I, you know, got my mentor, my man, Bridger Pennington, dropping the wisdom bombs on uh, how to start an investment fund. That's, that's kind of my next big focus uh, moving into my 30s and this next decade is all about going bigger, going bigger and create more value. I love it. Um, and we'll get to the fun part in a second. I want to, okay, I want to hop back. It sounded like in your story, you know, you're going on and have a mentor and then you blew up out of nowhere into real estate, started doing lots of deals, grew your team, um, super, super successful. Take us back to that when you started out. I think a lot of people listening are right where you're at there. How did you find money or did you use your own money? Um, investors, how did you, what kind of deals were you looking at? Um, but especially yeah. on the money side, where'd you do all that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, this was back my first real estate flip I ever did was in 2012. And, hmm. you know, I was hunting for deals. I mean, I'm talking, you know, a lot of people, they go, okay, I'm going to be a real estate investor now. And then two months go by, they don't have a deal and they're complaining and they're like, I'm, I'm done with this. And, you know, it's such a short, it's, a, it's what I call the microwave mindset, right? Of like, don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a millennial, right? So I pace in front of the microwave. I am impatient. <laughs> and yet my mentality in business, my mentality in relationship building and just my overall mentality with how I approach things that I am going to do and commit my time to in life is the, the crock pot mentality, which is all about, you know, I know the, the microwave puts out a quick dish, but at the end of the day, the crock pot where it takes time and it takes love and it takes a lot of variables coming together in order to create that really palatable appetizing dish. And so that's my approach to everything that I do. It's the crock pot mentality versus the microwave mindset. And I just said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to learn as much as I can in the beginning. I'm going to add as much value for free as I can in the beginning, i.e. working for that guy for free um, in the beginning. And that just kind of opened up more doors of going, who are the people who have what I want that I align with? Cause there's a lot of people who have essentially what I think all of us want, but we maybe don't feel aligned with them from a core values perspective or morals or ethics. Those were really important things to me. So yes, I was money motivated and am money motivated. And yet I wasn't going to sell my soul, my, my soul to the devil, just to go out and make money. I wanted to make sure that I was aligning with the people that I could grow with and I could expand with and that I felt morally, ethically uh, connected to and, and aligned with and congruent with. So um, that allowed me to at least start surrounding myself with other people who had the results that I wanted because I've always believed, you know, you grow into the conversations, the experiences, the environments, the relationships around you. So you be, better be very careful about which ones you are opting into being that, you know, I was hanging around nine guys that were smoking pot, drinking alcohol and getting in fights every weekend. And I became the 10th and you know that story. Mm -hmm. Vice versa, I started hanging around other people that were millionaires, but not millionaires just in their financial pillar and vertical of life, but were millionaires as husbands, millionaires and how they showed up for their kids, millionaires and how they took care of their health, millionaires and how they contributed to charities and causes they were passionate about. And so I wanted to become this whole life millionaire. And when I started hanging around those people, lo and behold, a couple years later, I became that 10th person as well. And so when I was first getting started, it was just all about just getting in those conversations, getting in proximity to those people. And I call it the likability factor now because a lot of people ask me like, how did you get into, you know, those opportunities, those conversations, those relationships? And a lot of people um, were like, what's the secret? And I was wondering, I don't know what the secret is, right? Like add value, consistently show up, play full out and life rewards people who refuse to be denied after for going after what they want to go after. And, um, somebody, 
I asked somebody like, why did you mentor me? And then I started asking another person, why did you mentor me? And one of the most common responses was, uh, you're just a likable person. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And I think this is something that anybody can become more likable, which will tie back into how I raise money, which will tie into how I found deals. Mm -hmm. So I'll get there in one second, which yeah. was it confidence, just being confident in who you are, right? You don't have to be the smartest, fastest, or strongest, but just be confident in who you are and what value you can bring to the table, right? Confidence plus humility. So like I was confident, hey, whatever you need me to do, I'll show up, I'll do it, let's go. Like I can get it done, I'm your guy. And a lot of the times I didn't necessarily know what I was doing, but at the same time, it was being humble enough to say, I don't know it all, but I'll figure it out, right? I don't, I've, I've achieved this goal, but I got so much more to learn, so much more to grow. So it was confidence plus humility plus consistently adding value over time just created opportunities and spaces to build connections and relationships with mentors who uh, kept sending the elevator back down for me. And I just kept getting on it and, uh, and working my way into those opportunities. And so I essentially, after about nine, 10 months of not finding a deal, but I was grinding maybe 70, 80 hours a week, I, uh, I had come across um, a guy that was putting out a lot of bandit signs and I just kind of started following his model. I was waking up like three, four in the morning, going around town, tacking up those bandit signs on the telephone poles. And I ended up uh, getting that one phone call after a bunch of FUs, take your ugly bandit sign out of my, uh, my yard, my neighborhood. Uh, one person called me and said, hey, you know, my mom's got some, uh, some property. We're trying to move her out of the state. And, uh, you know, she's got some stuff in there that, of course, we're going to have to get out. Um, we got some animals that we got to figure out what to do with, but if you can help us solve this problem, uh, and close in 10 days, we'd like to discuss that opportunity with you. So long story short, uh, it wasn't just a little stuff and it wasn't just a few animals. She had, it was a hoarder's house, boxes, floor to ceiling. Wow. Uh, she had over 150 stray cats inside the house. Um, I ended up buying the property for 75,000. I put about 35,000 into it. And I sold it for 225000 and I profited a little over 105000 net. And I remember walking away from the closing table with this aha moment because I funded this with a private hard money first, a private money second, using none of my own money, also including all the carrying costs. Mm -hmm. And I made $100,000 while I was broke with credit card debt, poor credit, living at home, couldn't even pay my dad rent. And yet... I now had a model that I just walked through that proved to me I could go out by creating this value, I could create those opportunities for myself. And so that's how I did it on my very first flip. And um, I essentially tell people the same thing that I went through and one of my mentors went through, which, you know, I know a lot of people that are going out there right now who may have really bad credit, who may not have any money in the bank, who may not right? Have the experience or the credibility or the resources to go out and do a deal like this. But I'm here to tell you what my mentor told me, which was, if it really is a great deal, the money will find its way to the deal. And I just went into every opportunity believing that. And that's essentially what happened, where once I locked up the deal, I ended up having a hard money lender look at the deal and they underwrited it. And they're like, yeah, you got something here. We'll give you 90% of that purchase price and 100% of the construction at this percentage rate plus a couple points. All right, cool. Now I just got to go out and figure out the down payment and my holding and carrying costs for 
that term while I'm flipping it. So I don't have to come out with any out of pocket with any of my own money. So I went around to a bunch of different people, got a bunch of different no's. But when you're looking at a potential six figure profit on the other end, what do you do? You you do whatever you got to take to make that happen, right? So I ended up finding somebody who funded the remaining 10% of the down payment. They also funded in that second loan, the carrying costs while I was flipping the house. So I didn't have to come out of pocket any money and I could use that money to pay the first position lien holder. And, um, and that's how I did that first deal. And everybody won, everybody made money and it was, all right, how do we go out and do this again? And that is really how my first deal started. And a couple hundred flips later, it began with the cat lady house. <laughs> that's oh, that's awesome. I love, yeah, a bunch of things in there. I, that's something I always have talked about and people that have taught me too is investors look past the deal or excuse me, look past the experience. They look at the deal, right? They don't care that you were in jail before that you're young or too old or too fat or too skinny or whatever it is. They just want to see the deal. I love that. And then Secondly, I also love, I was going to mention this right after this, but with Millionaire Mindcast, I love that you focus on being a millionaire in all aspects of your life. Um, and in one of your recent posts, I, I think it was one of your podcasts, talked about nice guys don't live it, finish last anymore. No, no being way. Being a nice guy is a fantastic way to find deals, find investors, find partners, and find business and make money. Yeah, well, and I don't know about you, but I like doing business with people that I like, that people mm -hmm. that I respect, not people that are mean and don't have integrity and are unethical and are rude to other people. Like I know that I want to align with people that I feel I share similar visions with. I have similar core values with that. I have a similar moral compass. Right. And so those are all things where I think that's, that, that's such an old, you know, cliched statement that in my opinion, when it comes to business and the longevity of business, you know, I'm reading, uh, finished, I just finished reading, um, oh, what's, uh, the hedge fund manager of Blackstone mm -hmm. and I'm blanking on his name right now, but it was whatever it takes. And then I'm reading uh, Sam Zell's book right now, which is one of the large hedge fund manager, real estate hedge fund managers in the world, most successful ones. And if you look at the thread of the most successful people in the world, their network is very tight. They've been doing business together for a very long time. And I can tell you, right, if you do business with somebody you don't like, you're probably, even doesn't matter how much money they make, you're probably going to go like, you know what, I just don't want to deal with that person anymore. So I really believe treating people with kindness and respect, doing the right thing, no matter who's looking, taking care of people um, is, you know, is very, very important. And that's ultimately how I have raised with one of my private lenders, went from zero dollars with them to over three and a half, four million dollars of their money placed in my deals. I've done a hundred plus flips with this particular lender and it all started with a direct mailer. So wow. never underestimate where your funds and the opportunities will come from. And I sent this person a mailer, you know, cash for their house. They had a bunch of rentals. I showed up and I was like, I was 22 at the time. So I had my tie and, you know, I walked in all, you know, suited and booted and, uh, you know, thinking I'm all great. Right. And I'm going to win these people over and they're going to sell me their rental. And this was a seasoned investor. And he goes, you know what? I'm not going to sell you my house. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, a little, a little deflated. And he goes, but I'll let you sell my rental and I will take the proceeds from that rental and I'll invest $100,000 on your next deal. Awesome. So what did I do? Found an opportunity. Of course, the deal penciled. He was investing in the deal. Then secondly, I like you. I trust you. But at the end of the day, you got to perform and execute and protect my money and grow my money. And I did that. 
And I ended up selling about 25 of their rental properties. They placed a good chunk of that cash with me. And we've been in business in partnership for, you know, they're just my lender. But again, I treat them just like their money, just like I would with my own money, if not better. And that has grown into something when it started as a big goose egg and zero, now a couple million dollars placed with me. Yes, the deals count. And right behind that, they know they like and they trust me. And that's just something that I believe is compound effect, pays dividends for the rest of your life if you do it right. I love that. So let's move on to your fund now. Let's talk about that. A lot of people on here are wanting to start a fund, do what you're doing right now and get and start their fund and get moving. So tell us, don't, you don't have to give us all your trade secrets and stuff, but tell us the plans for your fund. Um, what made you want to start a fund and, and what's got you into that? It's been something that's been on my mind for quite some time. So for me, um, you know, the, the bandwidth of how many deals I can do and um, based on the deals that I have been doing in the single family world and how competitive it has been, um, I've just gone to the place of going, if I'm going to get to the level that I want to get, have the impact that I want to have and make the money that I want to make, um, I need to get into some larger deals. And that's going to obviously require more bandwidth, more capital, less competition, hopefully, as well as allowing me to align with elite minds and people in the space that are, like I said, way better and way smarter and way stronger and way more equipped than I am and allow me to focus on the vertical in my genius zone, which is building relationships and finding opportunities and aligning with the other people. So that's been something where I've been building my bench of talent and potential partners or resources or individuals that I think will align with that vision and in that space. Um, and that's been something that I've been working on for the last few years. But um, why I've decided to do that is, you know, I turned 31 uh, this last year. I said in my 30s, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus this next decade on going after bigger deals because at the end of the day, the amount of stress and effort and focus and detail that goes into a $200,000 flip is not going to be a whole lot different than a $500 million project. So why not go after something that I can get to the end of my life and look back and say, damn, that was a hell of a ride. I, I went after my goals. I did not uh, play small. And um, I was able to, to do some pretty cool things. So that is what uh, is currently in motion. And figuring out, uh, you know, if it's going to be a hybrid model or if we're going to stick in one vertical is, is kind of this next step that we're, we're finalizing heading into uh, 2020. But, um, you know, I, I know where my bread and butter is and a lot of my resources. I know what my sandbox, I guess you could say, that I've been playing in is that I could leverage that or I could go into a completely different space like a storage facilities or like a mobile home park um, and, you know, allocate resources there. But again, I think it's, you know, being clear on what the vision is crystal clear and then aligning the right people, aligning with the right people, uh, building the right vehicle to go out and achieve those things, getting the right people on the bus in the right seats and holding each other accountable to the standard of excellence that's going to be required to go out and execute on that. So, I'm a student, brother. I'm, I'm, Amen, just, brother. Like, I'm, I'm just like you, man. I'm learning. I'm sharpening the, the, the axe because I know when I start swinging that baby, some trees are going to be falling. So uh, it's just uh, what trees and in uh, what area. I love that. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's the, when you scale through a fund, competition gets less, but it's the same amount of work. Like you mentioned, I, oh, I love that. And it's funny when, when you start telling people you're running a fund or want to start a fund, the type of people you attract 
It's crazy. Because there's, there's people that have had that in the back of their mind for 20 years and they just never have really found the right person or never thought they could do it. And then when you say like, I'm, I'm starting to fund, it's weird the amount of people that come behind you and help push you forward to do that. It's really well, cool. You know what I think is really cool? So, you know, earlier this year when I got into the, the vineyard development deal out in Napa, and this was, you know, a larger deal for me that I've been the principal on. And, you know, as I got into this, uh, this space, it was almost like when I chose that the elevator has been coming down to the lobby and I've been watching the doors open and close and people get on and get off for a really long time. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get on the elevator and I'm, I'm, I'm going to see what it, what it looks like to go up to that floor and get off, see who the people are, see what the landscape is, see what the conversations are like, see what the opportunity is. And the thing is, is it's really no different except it's a different conversation, a different view, a different opportunity. But at the end of the day, the people that are on that floor are no different than you and I. And it gave me that courage and confidence, just like when I got my first flip and then when I got my first commercial property and then my first retail center and then my first, like bought in the hotel, it's like, it's no different. So the only person that's preventing me from playing as big as I can play is myself, right? Or the self-doubt that I'm counterpunching every single day and getting those breadcrumbs that I think a lot of us have seen in our path. Oftentimes people have breadcrumbs of the directions that they should be going in their life and that they really want to go, but they look at it and then they talk themselves out of it. And the one thing about me is like, you know, I'm just a blunt object. I am kind of a bull in a China shop sometimes where I'm like, Hey, I don't need to know it all. I know that I'm probably going to fail, but I'm going to fail my way forward. And it's just going to be some quick feedback that gives me one little stepping stone or one little extra breadcrumb that leads me a little bit further down the path that is going to enlighten me more. It's going to equip me more. It's going to connect me with more people that I want to be aligned with. And that's all I want. You know, I just want to, I want to get to the end. My biggest goal in life is to get to the end of the road and look back and say, damn, that was a hell of a ride. I left it all out on the floor and wherever the chips may fall, they may fall, but I sure as hell, I'm not going to get there and say, man, I regret not taking that action. I regret not getting on that elevator or getting into that conversation or going after that opportunity. Cause like you said, man, at the end of the day, you know, the amount of effort that goes into being broke is the same amount of effort that goes into mm-hmm. being rich. So I might as well choose being wealthy, making a positive impact for myself, for my family, for my children, for my future, you know, family, as well as all of the employees that I get to work with. I believe money makes you more of who you already are. I feel like I'm a really good person. I want to do good with that. I want to make an impact in charities and causes and things that, you know, I'm really passionate about. And uh, the only person that is going to decide what that looks like is me. So let's go. Oh, I love that. That's that's getting me pumped up just on this side of the table. I love that, Matt. (laughs) Hey, last question. You interview a ton of people on your show and I've seen some of your lists of people you've got on, which is incredible, by the way. Who is one of your favorite people you've interviewed and why? Mm. Man, I've had some really interesting interviews. Um, Some of my favorites, I loved my interview with John Asaraf just because he's been a brain athlete for, you know, so many years. He's, when I was 14, I went to my first personal development conference and John Asaraf was on stage and I almost like idolized the dude. Hmm. And to see full circle come back around 15 years later, 
somebody from his camp reach out to be on my podcast was, that was pretty cool. And it was just a really amazing interview on how to unlock aspects of your brain, your subconscious, your conscious, um, to really transcend into a higher version of yourself and to create an external reality that aligns with your internal reality. Um, I loved my conversation. Really, it was an interesting, he's not my favorite person, but he has probably made more of an impact in my life than most, which is Robert Kiyosaki. Hmm. And I didn't really feel aligned with him as a human being, but obviously if you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and how many lives that's changed and how many paths that has, right, tilted the scales or pointed in another direction for financial freedom, for wealth, um, a lot of respect for him. And, you know, one of the big things that I did uh, find very interesting in his interview, and he's a doomsdayer. I'm not sure if you, if most people know that or pick up on that. He is that, a no. doomsdayer. And he really, he, so he was about 25 minutes late to the interview. He comes into the interview and I mean, it literally looked like he had been rolling down the freeway going 150 miles an hour with his, you know, top down on his Ferrari, which is exactly what he said at the beginning of the interview. And he was <laughs> shooting his machine guns up in the desert in Arizona, prepping for when the world essentially goes to shit. And he went on to then talk about the five G's that he believes in. If the world does go to that, um, these are going to be essentially his diversification in insulating his risk and capitalizing on opportunity, which was ground real estate. So obviously he's a big real estate grub food, guns and bullets, um, gasoline oil. And the last one was, Oh, what was it? I'm blanking on it, but, um, he had these five G's that essentially, uh, he went on to then break down in a very kind of cool detailed way. So I, I found that pretty interesting as well. He was a, he was a fun interview. Jeez. That's awesome. Um, well, Matt, thank you so much for being on. How can people reach out, find more, learn more from you, um, and be in your world? Uh, anybody can listen to the podcast millionaire mindcast on YouTube or on any of the podcasting platforms. So you can check that out. Uh, most of my content that I post is either on YouTube or on Instagram. So official Maddie A on Instagram and just reach out to me. I'm never too busy and I will never be too big to connect with anybody. Uh, one of my, I'll leave it, leave you with this. One of my favorite quotes that I employ in my life on a daily basis. And I believe everybody should employ because of how it will serve them. And it's one of the reasons why I reached out to you is I was interviewing Robert Herjavec from Shark Tank. And one of the things he said was uh, the most impactful piece of advice was from his father on his deathbed. And his father told him, that everybody has something to teach you, but it is nobody's job to give it to you but your own. So it is our job to go out and seek and to find that information from each and every person, whether it's a bum on the street, whether it's your grocery clerk, whether it's the top CEO you know, in your city or business that you admire, um, it's our responsibility to go out and find that information and to leverage that information into our own journey. So that's why I reached out to you, brother. And that's, uh, you've been a, a small piece of my, my journey on the investment fund side. And I have no doubt you're going to be a big piece in the overall vision of it. So I'm uh, grateful to be on here with your audience, your show. And if anybody wants to connect, um, I'm happy to, uh, to help in any way I can. Matt, thank you so much. Hey, what's going on? I know a lot of you out there are starting funds or thinking about starting funds and something I was so grateful for was having mentors. When I started my first fund, I had people to turn to and to ask questions. And so what I've decided to do is make the same thing for you. So what we've done is compiled a lot of interviews, 
things that I've learned, my personal pitch decks that I've used to pitch investors and put it all into what I call a mini vault. So in there, I deep dive into Forex funds, into real estate funds, how to structure them, how to structure deals, how to find investors. And I try to go deep to help mentor you to help you start your first fund. And in addition to that, we have a private members group on Facebook that fund managers are getting together on there and talking and working through problems together. So if this is interesting to you, if you wanna get involved and get some help right off the ground, go to investmentfundsecrets.com for less than hundred bucks, you can get started and get into the mini vault and I would love to see you in there on the Facebook group and talk with us. Thanks, see ya.